Psalm 35, Discourse 2, of Exposition on the Book of Psalms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Exposition on the Book of Psalms by St. Augustine of Hippo. Translated by Philip Schaff. Psalm 35, Discourse 2, on the remaining part of the psalm. To the rest of the psalm let us apply our minds, and to the Lord our God let us pray, both for soundness of understanding and for the quiet of well-doing. As far as yesterday was discoursed, I trust that ye remember, dearly beloved, from the same place to-day let us take our beginning. Now we understand here the words of Christ, the words, namely, both of the head and of the body of Christ. When thou hearest Christ, do not separate the bridegroom from the bride, but understand that great sacrament, and they too shall be one flesh. If too in one flesh, why not also in one voice? For neither the head alone suffered here temptations, and the body suffereth not, nor indeed was there any cause of suffering to the head, but that he might give an example to the body. For the Lord suffered of free will, we of necessity. He out of commiseration, we out of our condition. Moreover, his voluntary passion is our necessary consolation, so that when we haply suffer like things, we may look upon our head, that being warned by his example, we may say unto ourselves, If he did so, what must we? And, even as he was, so let us also be. For however much raged the enemy, to the death of the body could he only approach, which body yet could he not destroy in the Lord, because on the third day it rose again. What in him was done on the third day, that in ours shall be at the end of the world. The hope of our resurrection is put off, is it therefore put away? Here, then, most dearly beloved, let us acknowledge the words of Christ, and let us distinguish them from the words of the ungodly, for they are the voices of the body, suffering persecutions and troubles and temptations in this world. But since many suffer here, also for their sins and for their crimes, with great vigilance must we discern the cause, not the punishment. For a criminal can have like punishment with a martyr, but yet a cause unlike. Three were there on the cross, one the Saviour, another to be saved, another to be damned. Of all the punishment was equal, but the cause unequal. Let then our head say, Verse 11. False witnesses did rise up, they laid to my charge things that I knew not. But let us say to our head, Lord, what knewest thou not? Didst thou indeed not know anything? Didst thou not know the hearts of them that charged thee? Didst thou not foresee their deceits? Didst thou not give thyself into their hands knowingly? Hadst thou not come that thou mightest suffer by them? What then knewest thou not? He knew not sin, and thereby he knew not sin, not by not judging, 
but by not committing. There are phrases of this kind also in daily use, as when thou sayest of any one, he knoweth not to stand, that is, he doth not stand, and he knoweth not to do good, because he doth not good, and he knoweth not to do ill, because he doth not ill. That which is alien from operation is alien from conscience. That which is alien from conscience seems alien also from science. So God is said to know not, as art knoweth not faults, and yet by art faults are discovered and discerned. This, then, to our interrogatories out of the very truth of his own gospel doth our head answer. When we have said, Lord, what knewest thou not? Wherewith couldst thou be charged which thou knewest not? He answereth, Ungodliness I knew not. With ungodliness I was charged. Thou hast in the gospel, if thou believe not that I knew not ungodliness, that even the ungodly themselves I know not, unto whom at the end I shall say, I know you not, depart from me, ye that work ungodliness. Did he not know those whom he condemned? Or can any condemn justly but a good cognizant? And yet a good cognizant lied not in saying, I know you not. That is, ye are not joined to my body, ye cleave not to my rules, ye are vicious, but I am that very art which haveth no vice, and in which a man learneth not save not to do vice. False witnesses did rise up, they laid to my charge things that I knew not. What knew not Christ so much as to blaspheme? Thereof was he called in question by his persecutors, and because he spake truth, he was judged to have spoken blasphemy. But by whom? By them of whom it followeth. Verse 12. They rewarded me evil for good, and barrenness to my soul. I gave unto them fruitfulness, they rewarded me barrenness. I gave life, they death. I honor, they dishonor, I medicine, they wounds, and in all these which they rewarded me was truly barrenness. This barrenness in the tree he cursed, when seeking fruit he found none. Leaves there were, and fruit there was not. Words there were, and deeds there were not. See of words abundance, and of deeds barrenness. Thou that preachest man should not steal, stealest? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, committest adultery? Such were they who charged Christ with things that he knew not. Verse 13 But I, when they troubled me, clothed myself with sackcloth, and humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer shall return into mine own bosom. We are taught indeed, brethren, that we belong to the body of Christ, that we are members of Christ, and we are admonished in all our tribulations to consider not how we may answer our enemies, but how by praying we may propitiate God, and chiefly to pray that we be not overcome by temptation. Then, that even those who persecute us may be converted to soundness and righteousness.
there is no greater no better employment in tribulation than to retire from the noise which is without and to go into the inner closet of the heart there to call upon god where none seeth thee groaning and him succouring that chamber-door to close against every invading trouble to humble thyself in confession of sin to magnify and praise god both chastising and consoling this must by every means be held firm but of the body must we say this that is of ourselves of our lord jesus christ what such as this do we find the gospel being looked through and most diligently searched we find not that the lord in any passion or tribulation clothed himself with sackcloth that he fasted indeed we read after he was baptized sackcloth there we hear of none read of none but that he fasted the jews not yet persecuting but the devil tempting him at that time i say that the lord fasted not when they charged him with things which he knew not and when they rewarded him evil for good by railing by persecuting by holding fast by scourging by wounding by slaying but yet in all these brethren if for some little space with pious curiosity we lift the veil and search with the intent eye of the heart the inner part of this scripture we find that even this the lord did sackcloth haply he called his mortal flesh wherefore sackcloth for the likeness of sinful flesh for the apostle saith god sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh that through sin he might condemn sin in the flesh that is he clothed his own son with sackcloth that through sackcloth he might condemn the goats not that there was sin i say not in the word of god but not even in that holy soul and mind of a man which the word and wisdom of god had so joined to himself as to be one person nay nor even in his very body was any sin but the likeness of sinful flesh there was in the lord because death is not but by sin and surely that body was mortal for had it not been mortal it had not died had it not died it had not risen again had it not risen again it had not showed us an example of eternal life so then death which is caused by sin is called sin as we say the greek tongue the latin tongue meaning not the very member of flesh but that which is done by the member of flesh for the tongue in our members is one among others as the eyes nose ears and the rest but the greek tongue is greek words not that the tongue is words but that words are by the tongue thou sayest of one i know his face speaking of a member of his body and thou sayest also i know his hand though he is absent not the hand of his body but the writing which was made by the hand of his body so then the sin of the lord is that which was caused by sin because he assumed flesh of the same lump which had deserved death by sin for to speak more briefly mary who was of adam died for sin 
Adam died for sin, and the flesh of the Lord which was of Mary died to put away sin. With this sackcloth the Lord clothed himself, and therefore was he not known, because he lay hid under sackcloth. When they, saith he, troubled me, I clothed myself with sackcloth. That is, they raged, I lay hid. For had he not willed to lie hid, neither could he have died, since in one moment of time one drop only of his power, if indeed it is to be called a drop, he put forth, when they wished to seize him, and at his one question, Whom seek ye? They all went back and fell to the ground. Such power could he not have humbled in passion if he had not lain hid under sackcloth. I clothed myself with sackcloth and humbled my soul with fasting. Again, if we have understood the sackcloth, how understand we the fasting? Wished Christ to eat when he sought fruit on the tree, and if he had found, would he have eaten? Wished Christ to drink when he said to the woman of Samaria, Give me to drink? When he said on the cross, I thirst? For what hungered, for what thirsted Christ, but our good works? Because in them that crucified and persecuted him, he had found no good works. He fasted, for they rewarded barrenness to his soul. For what a fast was his, who found barely one thief, whom on the cross he might taste. For the apostles had fled, and had hidden themselves in the multitude, and even Peter, who even to the death of his Lord had promised to persevere, had now thrice denied him, had now wept, and still lay hid in the multitude, still feared lest he should be known. Lastly, having seen him dead, all of them despaired of their own safety, and despairing he found them after his resurrection, and when he spake with them, found them grieving and mourning, no longer hoping anything. For so also did certain of them who spake with him. When he said, What talk ye between yourselves? For they were talking of him. Art thou only, they said, a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known what things our priests and rulers have done concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a man mighty in word and deed, how they have crucified and slain him? But we trusted that it should have been he that should have redeemed Israel. In great fasting had the Lord remained, had he not refreshed them that he might feed on them. For he refreshed them, he comforted them, he confirmed them, and into his own body converted them. In this manner, then, was our Lord also in fasting. And my prayer shall return into mine own bosom. In the bosom of this verse is plainly a great depth, and may the Lord grant that it may be fathomable by us. For in the bosom a secret is understood. And we ourselves, brethren, are here well admonished to pray within our own bosom, where God seeth, where God heareth, where no human eye penetrateth, where none seeth but he who succoreth, where Susanna prayed, and her voice, though it was not heard by men, yet by God was heard. Of this indeed we are well admonished, 
But of our Lord ought we to understand something more, because he himself also prayed. And indeed, his sackcloth we find not in the gospel according to the letter, nor his fasting at the time of his passion according to the letter. And these therefore I have explained to be spoken by an allegory or similitude, as I could. But his prayer even from the cross have we heard. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But there also were we. For when did the Father forsake him, from whom he never departed? We read also that in the mount Jesus prayed alone. We read that he passed the night in prayer, even at the time of his passion. What then? And my prayer shall return into mine own bosom. I know not what better to understand concerning the Lord. Take meanwhile what now occurs. Perhaps something better will occur hereafter, either to me or to some better. My prayer shall return into mine own bosom. This I understand to be said, because in his own bosom he had the Father. For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. In himself he had him to whom he prayed. He was not far from him, for himself had said, I am in the Father, and the Father in me. But because prayer rather belongeth to very man, for according as Christ is the word, he prayeth not, but heareth prayer, and seeketh not to be succored for himself, but with the Father succoureth all. What is, my prayer shall return into mine own bosom? But in me my manhood invoketh in me my Godhead. Verse 14. As a neighbor, as our brother, so I pleased him, as one mourning and sorrowful, so I humbled myself. Now looketh he back to his own body. Let us now look to this. When we rejoice in prayer, when our mind is calmed, not by the world's prosperity, but by the light of truth, who perceiveth this light knoweth what I say, and he seeth and acknowledgeth what is said. As a neighbor, as our brother, so I pleased him. Even then our soul pleaseth God, not placed afar off, for in him, saith one, we live and move and have our being, but as a brother, as a neighbor, as a friend. But if it be not such that it can so rejoice, so shine, so approach, so cleave unto him, and seeth itself far off thence, then let it do what followeth. As one mourning and sorrowful, so I humbled myself, as our brother, so I pleased him, said he, drawing near. As one mourning and sorrowful, so I humbled myself, said he, removed and set afar off. For what mourneth any one but that which he desireth and hath not? And sometimes in one man happen both, that at one time he should draw near, at another be far off, draw near by the light of truth, be far off by the cloud of the flesh. For neither, brethren, unto God, who is everywhere, and is contained in no place, do we through place draw near, or from him through place remove. To draw near unto him 
is to become like unto him, to remove from him, to become unlike unto him. Dost not thou, when thou seest two things nearly alike, say, This comes near to that? And when things unlike are shown to thee, though in one place, and though they be held often in one hand, say, This kind is far off from that. Thou holdest both, joinest both, and sayest, This thing is far from that, not forsooth in place, but in unlikeness. If then thou wouldest draw near to him, be like unto him. If thou wilt not be like, thou wilt be far off. But when thou art like, rejoice, and when unlike, groan. That groaning may excite desire, nay, that desire may excite groaning, and that through groaning thou mayest draw near, who hadst begun to be afar off. Did not Peter draw near when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? And yet the same man became afar off by saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Lastly, what said he, his neighbor, as it were, to him drawing near? Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. To him afar off, as it were, and unlike, what said he? Get thee behind me, Satan. To him drawing near, flesh and blood, saith he, hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. His light is shed over thee, in his light thou shinest. But when having become afar off, he spake against the Lord's passion, which should be for our salvation. Thou savourest not, said he, the things that be of God, but those that be of men. One rightly placing together both of these saith in a certain psalm, I said in my ecstasy, I am cast off from before thine eyes. In my ecstasy, would he not have said, had he not drawn near, for ecstasy is the transporting of the mind. He poured over himself his own soul, and drew near unto God. And through some cloud and weight of the flesh, being again cast down to earth, and recollecting where he had been, and seeing where he was, he said, I am cast off from before thine eyes. This, then, as a neighbor, as our brother, so I pleased him. May he grant to be done in us. But when that is not, let even this be done. As one mourning and sorrowful, so I humbled myself. Verse 15 And against me they rejoiced, and gathered themselves together. Against me only they rejoicing, I sorrowful. But we heard just now in the gospel, Blessed are they that mourn. If they are blessed that mourn, miserable are they that laugh. Against me they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Scourges were gathered together against me, and they knew not. Because they lay to my charge things that I knew not, they also knew not whom they charged. Verse 16. They tempted me and mocked me with mocking. That is, they derided me, they insulted me, this of the head, this of the body. Consider, brethren, the glory of the church which now is. Remember its past dishonors. 
remember how once were Christians everywhere put to flight, and were ever found, mocked, beaten, slain, exposed to beasts, burned, men rejoicing against them. As it was to the head, so it is also to the body. For as it was to the Lord on the cross, so has it been to his body in all that persecution which was made but now nor even now cease the persecutions of the same. Wherever men find a Christian, they are wont to insult, to persecute, to deride him, to call him dull, senseless, of no spirit, of no knowledge. Do they what they will, Christ is in heaven. Do they what they will, he hath honored his punishment, already hath he fixed his cross in the foreheads of all. The ungodly is permitted to insult, to rage he is not permitted. But yet from that which the tongue uttereth is understood what he beareth in his heart. They gnashed upon me with their teeth. Verse 17 Lord, when wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their deceits, my darling from the lions. For to us the time is slow, and in our person is this said, When wilt thou look on? That is, when shall we see vengeance upon those who insult us? When shall the judge overcome by weariness hear the widow? But our judge, not from weariness, but from love, delayeth our salvation. From reason, not from need. Not that he could not even now succor us, but that the number of us all may be filled up even to the end. And yet out of our desire what do we say? Lord, when wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their deceits, my darling from the lions. That is, my church from raging powers. Lastly, wouldst thou know what is that darling? Read the words following. Verse 18 I will confess unto thee, O Lord, in the great congregation, in a weighty people will I praise thee. Truly saith he, I will confess unto thee in the great congregation, in a weighty people will I praise thee. For confession is made in all the multitude, but not in all is God praised. The whole multitude heareth our confession, but not in all the multitude is the praise of God. For in all the whole multitude, that is, in the church, which is spread abroad in the whole world, is chaff and wheat. The chaff flieth, the wheat remaineth. Therefore, in a weighty people will I praise thee. In a weighty people, which the wind of temptation carries not away, in such is God praised. For in the chaff he is ever blasphemed. When our chaff is considered, what is meant? See how Christians live, see what Christians do, and it is fulfilled which is written, Through you is my name blasphemed among the Gentiles. Wickedly, grudgingly, beholdest thou the threshing floor, who art all on the chaff. Not easily appeareth the grain to thee. Seek, and thou shalt find a weighty people, in which thou mayest praise God. Wouldst thou find? Be thou such. For if thou be not such, it is hard but that all should appear to thee such as thou art. Comparing, 
saith the apostle themselves among themselves they understand not in a weighty people will i praise thee verse nineteen let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me for they rejoice over me because of my chaff who hate me without a cause that is whom i never hurt winking with their eyes that is pretending hypocrites verse twenty for they spake indeed peace to me what is winking with their eyes declaring by their looks what they carry not in their heart and who are these winking with their eyes verse twenty for they spake indeed peace to me and with wrath devised craftily verse twenty one yea they opened their mouth wide against me first winking with their eyes those lions sought to ravish and devour first fawning they spake peace and then with wrath devised craftily what peace spake they master we know that thou acceptest not man's person and teachest the way of god in truth is it lawful to give tribute unto caesar or not they spake indeed peace unto me what then didst not thou know them and deceived they thee winking with their eyes truly he knew them therefore said he why tempt ye me ye hypocrites afterward they opened their mouth wide against me crying crucify him crucify him and said aha aha our eyes have seen it this when they insulted him aha aha prophesy unto us thou christ as their peace was pretended when they tempted him concerning the money so now insulting was their praise they said aha aha our eyes have seen it that is thy deeds thy miracles this man is the christ if he be the christ let him come down from the cross and we will believe him he saved others himself he cannot save our eyes have seen it this is all whereof he boasted himself when he called himself the son of god but the lord was hanging patient upon the cross his power had he not lost but he showed his patience for what great thing was it for him to come down from the cross who could afterward rise again from the sepulchre but he seems to have yielded to his insulters and this behoved that having risen again he would show himself to his own and not to them and this is a great mystery for his resurrection signified the new life but the new life is known to his friends not to his enemies verse twenty two this thou hast seen o lord keep not silence what is keep not silence judge thou for of judgment is it said in a certain place i have kept silence shall i keep silence for ever and of the delaying of judgment it is said to the sinner these things hast thou done and i kept silence thou thoughtest that i was altogether such an one as thyself how keepeth he silence who speaketh by the prophets who speaketh with his own mouth in the gospel 
who speaketh by the evangelist, who speaketh by us when we speak the truth. What then? He keepeth silence from judgment, not from precept, not from doctrine. But this his judgment the prophet in a manner invoketh, and predicteth. Thou hast seen, O Lord, keep not silence. That is, thou wilt not keep silence, needs must that thou wilt judge. O Lord, be not far from me. Until thy judgment come, be not far from me, as thou hast promised. Lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Verse 23 Arise, Lord, and attend to my judgment. To what judgment? That thou art in tribulation? That thou art tormented with labors and pains? Do not even many wicked men suffer the same? To what judgment? Therefore art thou righteous, because thou sufferest these things? No, but what? To my judgment. What followeth? Attend to my judgment, even to my cause, my God and my Lord. Not to my punishment, but to my cause. Not to that which the robber hath in common with me, but to that whereof it is said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For this cause is distinguished, for punishment is equal to good and bad. Therefore martyrs, not the punishment, but the cause maketh. For if punishment made martyrs, all the minds would be full of martyrs. Every chain would drag martyrs. All that are executed with the sword would be crowned. Therefore let the cause be distinguished. Let none say, Because I suffer, I am righteous. Because he who first suffered, suffered for righteousness' sake. Therefore he added a great exception. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For many having a good cause do persecution, and many having a bad cause suffer persecution. For if persecution could not be done rightly, it had not been said in a certain psalm, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him did I persecute. Then, brethren, doth not a good and righteous father persecute a prodigal son? His vices he persecuteth, not himself, not that which he begat, but that which the other added. The surgeon truly, who is called in to give health, is not he mostly armed with a knife, but against the wound, not against the man. He cuts that he may cure, and yet when he cuts the sick man, he is pained, cries out, resists, and if happily by fever he hath lost his senses, even strikes the surgeon. Nor yet does he not desist from seeking the health of the sick man. What he knoweth right he doth, him cursing and reviling he regardeth not. Are not all lethargics roused, lest from heavy sleep they may sink down to death? And this they suffer from their own sons whom they have begotten most dear to them. And the son is not dear unless he hath been troublesome to his sleeping father. The lethargic are roused, the frenzied are bound, but yet both are loved. Let none then say, I suffer persecution. Let him not sift the punishment, 
but prove the cause lest if he prove not the cause he be numbered with the ungodly therefore how watchfully how excellently hath this man recommended himself o lord attend to my judgment not to my punishments even to my cause my god and my lord verse twenty four judge me o lord according to my righteousness that is attend to my cause not according to my punishment but according to my righteousness o lord my god that is according to this judge thou me and let them not rejoice over me that is mine enemies verse twenty five let them not say in their heart aha aha so would we have it that is we have done what we could we have slain him we have taken him away let them not say show them that they have done nothing let them not say we have swallowed him up whence say those martyrs if the lord had not been on our side then they had swallowed us up quick what is had swallowed us up had passed into their own body for that thou swallowest up which thou passest into thine own body the world would swallow thee up swallow thou the world pass it into thine own body kill and eat as it was said to peter kill and eat do thou kill in them what they are make them what thou art but if they on the other hand persuade thee to ungodliness thou art swallowed up by them not when they persecute thee art thou swallowed up by them but when they persuade thee to be what they are let them not say we have swallowed him up do thou swallow up the body of pagans why the body of pagans it would swallow thee up do thou to it what it would to thee therefore perhaps that calf being ground to powder was cast into the water and given to the children of israel to drink that so the body of ungodliness might be swallowed up by israel verse twenty six let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at mine hurt let them be clothed with shame and dishonor so that we may swallow them up ashamed and brought to confusion who speak evil against me let them be ashamed let them be brought to confusion what sayest thou now the head with the members verse twenty seven let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause who cleave to my body yea let them say continually let the lord be magnified which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant verse twenty eight and my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long and whose tongue endureth to speak the praise of god all the day long see now i have made a discourse something longer ye are wearied who endureth to praise god all the day long i will suggest a remedy whereby thou mayest praise god all the day long if thou wilt whatever thou dost 
do well, and thou hast praised God. When thou singest an hymn, thou praisest God, but what doth thy tongue, unless thy heart also praise him? Hast thou ceased from singing hymns, and departed, that thou mayest refresh thyself? Be not drunken, and thou hast praised God. Dost thou go away to sleep? Rise not to do evil, and thou hast praised God. Dost thou transact business? Do no wrong, and thou hast praised God. Dost thou till thy field? Raise not strife, and thou hast praised God. In the innocency of thy works, prepare thyself to praise God all the day long. End of Psalm 35, Discourse 2